Welcome back to Strawberry Corner with Stu and Ollie. You reckon that's got a ring to it, mate? Like Ant and Deck or Cannon and Ball, Magnet and Steel, Keenan and Kel, Les and Dennis? No, man, I'm just joking. That's only one person at the end there. Um, but wasn't it be back with you, mate? How are you doing? And is your weekend being better than Jacob Murphy's? Doing well, mate, thanks. Um, no, it's just not possible to be, is it? It's What a weekend he had. Just outstanding. Absolutely oh, 100%, outstanding. 100%. 100%. What a, what a weekend for Jacob Murphy. Um, eager as coming in with a goal and two assists against Palace this weekend. Fantastic stuff. Love to see it. Um, just before we start, mate, Andy Carroll's 45-yard screamer. Have you seen it? Oh, have I? You know I've seen it because he sent us it last night. <laughs> Well, I did turn it out of the lads because uh, I was just uh, gobsmacked, really, mate. It's it's not even like a hit and hope, is it? He's kind of controlled that. It's come at him wow. quick and he's controlled it. Just placed just it, it I'll always be his number one fan, Andy Carroll, and that's a good goal, mate. Keep it going out there in France. Um, little little capital to you. So we've had tons of time passed since we last pod. Uh, we were hoping to get on and speak about the PSG. Game, but we've not just not had the chance, mate. I'm dead keen to get your just your, your comments on your experience, really, and, and how you found the match and the the, the whole the whole uh, atmosphere. Wait, I was going to write a poem to sum it up, like, but I, I couldn't think of one. I might knock up a little bit of a haiku later on and stick it on Twitter. But uh, just to be honest, it was it was special, really special. Uh, it's been loads of talking there in the media and stuff, and on Twitter and what have you, and um, about just how special it was and stuff and it, whether it was up there with Barcelona and uh, and those kinds of games and for me it really was like it was just so I went there personally thinking quite optimistic um, I, I thought there was a chance we could win didn't think we'd win anything anything like um, how we ended up winning uh, it was just a really dominant performance it was just incredible really and I think um, the atmosphere just everything was so it was really nostalgic everyone was sort of looking forward to the the Champions League music and stuff, weren't they? And, um, I know you might, you know, some people might say that's small time and stuff, but I'm just, I think we're just enjoying every single minute of this at the minute, aren't we? Uh, there will come a time when we do become really competitive, mind in the mindset of shift and stuff. But I think for now, it's it's just about enjoying all these experiences and um, absolutely loved it. First chance I had to take my son to um, to a Champions League game, uh, absolutely loved it. I mean, he. Uh, he was one of his favourite players in the world, you know, what the young ones are like these days, they've all got their favourite players and stuff, didn't play at Newcastle, but uh, was in Batby, and I think it was a sort of coming of age thing for Luke, really, because when he, um, when I told him in Batby he might have been injured for the game, he was sort of like, oh, like, he was a bit disappointed, but then when I yeah. told him, when I told him he was fit for it, and he played the, he played the, um, the PSG game beforehand on the weekend, he was sort of like, again, he was disappointed. I was expecting him to be really excited, thinking about, oh, man, I can't see him back here. But he was like, oh, well, that means we've got less chance of winning now, doesn't it, Dad? So he was like, really sort of banging into whatever's best for Newcastle these days. And it's it's nice to see. But honestly, like, the atmosphere, the whole build-up of the game, like, it was just like, it was incredible. It was really incredible. It was sort of a pleasure to share that with him, really. Um, up there in the top five of my best ever Newcastle games that I've ever been to. Yeah, uh, it was just absolutely incredible. Loved every minute of it, and obviously the performance itself was just was magic, wasn't it? Hundred percent. I I can't add much more to that. I think you've summed it up quite uh, quite well there, mate. Just interested in that top five matches, mate. Have you got any niche games in there which you wouldn't necessarily think of? Um, we find all the ways up there. The Manu five nil. 
there's not really a there's not really a, a, a niche game as such. Um, I just think it's maybe like the more you know not the main character games, but the the the, the extras like the Spurs game, the semi final at the FA Cup. My favorite one of my favorite ever games is the Sheffield United game. I mean that was we played them at Old Trafford. Um, Shearer scored past was it Alan Kelly was in goal for Sheffield United. Um, we just smashed it in. We were right behind that goal, and like for me, that was like we're going to Wembley. It was incredible. It was the first yeah. time I'd seen the club play, and, and that was to me more more special than than actually getting to Wembley. So it was sort of like I've got a, a couple. Of, I'd have to think about it. I suppose I'll maybe talk about them on a, on another podcast one day. But uh, yeah, just there's games I've absolutely loved, and there's there's PSG was definitely up there in the top five. <laughs> No, definitely. It's been a good discussion. You, you kind, of, kind of getting people's feedback, and you know, people talking about it being a bit more of a, um, a bit more important to the club than the Barcelona game. Kind of feels yeah. different, right? Barcelona wasn't really a team that was was going anywhere. Shearer wasn't in the starting lineup. It was kind of Tino's last hurrah. He didn't really have any kind of standout games post that game. Um, Gillespie was on fire that game again. Played his best best game in a, in a tuneshin. I can't. Really think of him building on that. Um, so I, it's, it's a hard one, mate. And it's like to put you on the spot. Would you say the PSG one was was better than the Barcelona game, or is it? Are both games synonymous for different things? I mean, I, I think I think it was. I think it was what it meant to the club. I think the the occasion itself. I think the Champions League was a very different competition back then, wasn't it? We played Barcelona, who were. But admittedly, one of the better clubs in the in in Europe, but there weren't, you know, there wasn't as much of a gap between the likes of maybe Newcastle and Barcelona as there as there might be now. Um, and I think for for Newcastle, it was it was really much. It, it was like a, we've turned up now. We are we are part of this this Champions League group. I mean, I'm not saying that we're always going to qualify for the Champions League and things, but we are yeah. sort of we can hold. We, you know, we, we can hold. We can watch the. I can't even think what I'm saying there. We can, we can hold our own in the Champions League, really, against these the, the best teams in Europe. And it's that, that was really, like a, again, for the club, like a coming-of-age thing. It was like, we're here, we've arrived. I think against Barcelona, it was very much... We were we were sort of just in the mix, really, weren't we? we were one of the better sides yeah. in Europe. We were um, consistently at the top of the league. We were doing well anyway. And there wasn't as much of a gulf in, in, um, in things as what there is now. So I think, I think for me, it was really important that we that we're sort of arrived. Um, especially after lots of pundits have been talking about how it was a group of death and stuff, and that, to me it was always—I mean, we might have mentioned this on the podcast before—but to me it was always like, if those three teams that we got drawn against, not one of them would have wanted to get drawn against us, you know? No, definitely not. Um, and, and sort of, yeah. So it was really—I um, think it was more important than the Barcelona game, a better game as well, and obviously more of a dominant performance as well. Hundred percent, mate. It's it's kind of it felt like a breakout performance, didn't it? It was kind of we had an amazing season last season. Look what we achieved, but it was kind of that momentum. Obviously, had a bit of a, a slow start of the season, but we've seen the the, the team pick up and subsequently get. Uh, I think we're eight unbeaten now. Is it? Um, so I think we're on a bit of a bit of a run, and it, we're kind of going to this Dortmund game on um, on Wednesday. We've we've kind of I don't feel that apprehensive anymore. Like it's. At PSG, I, I was very much kind of like, you know, if we, could, if we could get a draw here against PSG, that's a great result. And then we'd maybe just look at Milan at home and Dortmund at home to, to do the jobs. But, yeah, I kind of feel like we're, we've got enough 
enough there to, to really attack them now and, and they'll be fearful, right? They'll they'll be setting up um to stop us. But enough of that, mate. We'll 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 come round to the to the Dortmund game um in a moment. Let's say uh, just before we start, I'll I'll just run over we we're, we're pin badge, mate, the Corinthian collections and just, just update people where we're at. So um yesterday we released the Trippier and the Callum Wilson to um to previous buyers. So everyone got a pre-sale email. They are now on sale, so they're live to buy for, for the general general public. Um I'll be sending uh, posts out on, on socials to let people know. Um but they're going well. They've over half sold now, so you'll have to be quick in order to, to snap those up. Um so yeah, really pleasing. We've sent off the next two designs, which will be of an exclusive here, mate, is uh, Dan Byrne and Sean Longstaff. Uh, so yep. they're in developments with, with Rick Pennington, Penno Draws, which again, uh, check out his work, absolutely fantastic. Um, and the plan is, mate, we're going to sell these and donate the profits to charity for these two pins, yeah? We are, aye. Um, we're not entirely sure what uh, what charity that's going to be at the minute. What I've done is I've, I've got in touch with or I've attempted to get in touch with Sean Longstaff and see what uh, if he can suggest a charity. Um, but it'll be, it'll, I'd imagine it'll be a local one. And if he doesn't get back in touch with us, then we'll, we'll sort something out and release that in due course. Yeah, definitely, mate. I think it's exciting. Um, all of the charity pins to date have, have done really well and resonated. So hopefully people can jump jump on board with that and support two local ads in a local charity. Um, I think it's a great idea. So uh, very excited for that, mate. Um as ever, you can catch us on Twitter uh, at WeAreHFR, uh, Instagram as well, WeAreHFR, and uh, the pins you can find at WeAreHFR.BigCartel.com, and we'll be posting out on socials, updating people where we're at in terms of numbers on the pins and, and when we expect the next two. So, yep, exciting stuff. Right then, mate. Let's I'll take a look at... Well, if you don't mind, um, hmm? sorry to interrupt you. Uh, so... A few weeks ago, um, I've got a pair of uh, Adidas Hamburgs, which were deader than, like, they were just on their arse, really. It's sort of, if you can imagine a cow, you know, being cut up and made into steaks, that's what they were like. They were literally dead. Um, <laughs> and I've taken them to a, to a, um, a company, just a local in, um, independent company, um, and they've, they've really revived them. Like, they've, they've turned them back into a cow again, to be honest, and it's, like, I can't believe the work they've done, and it's been brilliant. So, Highly recommend them. Um, like the on Twitter at Bonkers Soul. So that's Bonkers, the Dizzy Rascal and Armin van Helden classic. Uh, Soul S O L E. Um, check them out. I'll, I'll retweet on the on the Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, really good competitive prices. Little um, business in Jarrow. I believe they're moving quite soon to South Seals as well. But I'll uh, but yeah, I'll share that on the socials. They've done a great job. No, it's but I'm great to hear local businesses doing well and offering a, a, a good product and service. How how long though until you kick them off your feet again? I've already worn them a couple of times, but it started raining, so I'm, I then kind of when it's raining. But it's hitting the door, <laughs> so I'll kick them for then. Maybe. What what about when you were younger? Right? Did you when you used to play football on the street? Not when you were younger, you used to get your your um your Adidas trainers and that, like you know, like the, the soccer trainers used to wear or sambas or whatever. Did, you, did the front of them used to always come off? And then your dad would always have to super glue it back on? Uh, was yeah, that just... All the time. Right. I was I was in ATM, oh man. I always have been, so... And I had the, the, mm. like the flappy tongue that, went, that never went down over the laces. It just stuck up in the air. <laughs> um, but I, no, nah, all the time. Everything just fell apart. 
toes in my tracksuit bottoms and everything. <laughs> and just imagine you, mate, at your Christmas disco at school, sliding on your knees and getting holes in your tracker bottoms. Kick-offs. <laughs> that was me, I Until the Adidas poppers came about, like, and then you couldn't do it, could you? Because it just used to... You just open mid slide and then you just burn your knees. <laughs> Last minute. Well, but you used to, you used to have to dress smart though. You used to have to wear your kickers if you're going to your school party, you know. Ah, or base loafers, aye. Base loafers are kickers, mate. Right. The little metal bar on the front of them look class. <laughs> right, mate. We digress. Let's chat about Newcastle four, Palace nil, three nil by half time, four on sixty six, hods of changes on sixty nine. Cruise control until the final whistle. Lush won it. Like, did he enjoy it? Just another game. Steamroller. It's it was one of those games where I, I can't remember enjoying a game as as much for a long time. And I mean, obviously, we've had some great wins this season, but it was just so. And I don't want to sound like I'm being disrespectful to Crystal Palace, but we were just in so much in control of that game, and it was you knew from pretty much the first ten minutes we're going to cruise this game, we're going to win it. Um, not, I'm not talking in a really arrogant way. I'm talking about just how how good we were. Um, we just absolutely dictated, and it. It, it didn't even feel like we were out of second gear. Really, it was just such a composed, yeah. uh, like all round performance. I, th- I thought we were magnificent. Like, and it's um, it was just really easy to watch. I didn't feel under pressure. I didn't. I wasn't worried particularly about it. It just felt like one of those performances where we we'll look back and it, you know that. <laughs> I hate to keep saying it, like, but it's almost like we've arrived. I mean, they're, they're games that in the past, but you know, we've played them three times last season. I don't think we scored a goal against them, did we? And it really felt like this season was well. This game um, on the weekend was like a, you know, we're going to start beating these teams now instead of really struggling against them. Um, yeah, struggling to break them down and stuff. We've got so many different options. We've got so many um, players across the pitch. I think there's like twelve players this season who've scored goals for we now. So there's goals mm. everywhere. And I thought it was just such a complete, controlled uh, performance. It was brilliant, outstanding. And obviously, when the changes mm-hmm. came, it was about it was just about managing the game and keeping everyone fit and things like that, wasn't it? Hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. Like just to touch on what you were saying there, like it, 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 it's a change from last season where it was kind of our Achilles heel, wasn't it? Breaking down the teams that sat sat deep, and but it, it seems as though we've. we've we're overcoming that now, you know. We're, we're we're really clinical. Like I'm looking at the the um, stats now, where like the the highest scorers, we're um, got the best xG, like goals to um, chances conversion. Like we're we're, up, we're number one. Um, it, it seems as though they've really worked at that over over the the close season. Kind of took note of where we struggled last season. You no, know, I think we could have scored more goals last season. We're great in defence, and they've really worked on it to the point where you know we're gonna we're gonna be. The teams like Crystal Palace and, and Bournemouth, Bournemouth at home. Last season was Leeds, but we'll get kind of, you know, West Ham at, um, at home. They'll they'll sit deep, and we've got to, we'll have to do this. We'll have to work and and um, and take the chances as they present. But I think that was a, that's the main difference from last season. We made a lot of chances, but we just weren't clinical. But this right. season we're we're putting teams to to the sword. Um, it's great to see. Uh, so. Bit of a surprise inclusion, obviously Jacob Murphy on the on the right um, from the start. Obviously Almiron on international duty through the week, so probably late back into the country. Murphy's got two weeks of, of training under his belt. Probably not that big of a surprise in, in reality. Um, so first goal, mate Murphy. Can you not try if you meant it? To be honest, Shaw uh, Shaw played a, who was fantastic on the day. Ping the ball out to, to Trippier. 
Should be our first time again. I love those first time passes, like unbelievable. Um, plays it into Murphy in the box on the right hand side. Kind of a flick lob over the keeper. Um, Vaugh checked it, uh, gave the goal. Didn't did he mean it? No, I think he's admitted he didn't. Didn't I think he's already said he, he you know, he'll take it, but he, he missed. Wait, like, it was a cross. It was just sticking it into the box, wasn't it? But sometimes you get lucky. But I mean, it doesn't matter. Does it? If it goes in off the referee's arse, it's a good way. I don't know actually about the laws of the game and stuff. But uh, it doesn't matter where how it goes in, does it? It's if it goes in or not. He didn't mean it, but you know, it's a goal in it. And then um, it's funny. I, I sit halfway line on the east stand. Um, and I've never been more confident about a goal being like a decision being overturned. I just knew it was offside, eh, onside. Um, yeah. You know, it, it seemed a funny decision at the time. Obviously, when I've looked at the match of the day later on, it is quite close with Trippier, isn't it? But um, but no, it was it was just an all round excellent performance from Murphy, wasn't it? And, and he, you know, could have had a few more assists in the end. Um, but I just just. A really good all-round performance from Shaw as well. Like you're saying, I think playing him on the left, you know, with those diagonals to to trip you all day, was was a bit of a revelation, wasn't it? And I think obviously Botman takes that place, doesn't he? Most of the time, so we, we haven't seen that much. I think maybe when Lewis Hall's playing left back more regularly, we might see a little bit more from Shaw in in that respect as well, going the other way. But uh, but no, it was just a, a superb performance all round. <laughs> I love that camera angle. I don't know if you've seen it. Where kind of I think it was the the moment between the goal being checked and the the, the VAR giving the goal. The camera panned to the bench and all the kind of the lads on the bench were were, were creasing. <laughs> Must have all seen the goal on the, on the monitors at the bench and like were being like, ah, that's not. He hasn't meant that. It was like Lewis Hall and Tenali not were like proper howling. But um, great time to score, mate. Like especially against those teams who who kind of want to sit in and and, and block us. So uh, yeah. yeah. I kind of thought, and I said to the lads on the on the on the HFR podcast, I see as I can see this being three nil. They were, they were like, no, it's you know nil nil this. And I'm like, no, I, I fancied it, mate. So I'm, I'm chuffed that it's uh, it's coming. Um, yeah. So there's a bit of a bit of a obviously the, the game progresses, Newcastle in complete control. Um, Palace not offering anything really, uh, and then Anthony Gordon gets a second goal. Um, he had already hit the ball with a bit of an, an easy opportunity. Although it did come in quite quick, so it's a bit maybe it's a bit harsh. Um, so you've got kind of the ball down the right with Murphy. Trippy has running past him like a freight train. Murphy ignores him to kind of Trippy has discussed. Did you see he was kind of like arms out and passes the ball in, and he um, clips it to the back post and Gordon finishes for his third goal of the season. A- again, mate, great ball in by Murphy and um, and just I'm, I'm just buzzing to see Gordon. Scoring, like I, I, I do fancy him to get double figures this season, and he's, he's just in the right place at the right time again. Oh, I will have to say, like you know, it's, it's, you kind of teach it, can you? No, absolutely, mate. Um, and quite another, so the, the third goal comes quite quickly. I think it's like a minute, maybe a minute or two afterwards. Um, via Longstaff, direct ball by Trippiard to Wilson, and then this, this mock uh, guy, mate. He, Tries to control the ball on his chest and bring it down to kind of maybe keep a bit of possession for for Palace. He had a poor game yesterday. Um, didn't really look like the defender, you know, hyped hyped up. I certainly wouldn't be wanting Newcastle to sign him on the back of this performance, or, or even yeah. uh, Anderson for that matter. No, I, um, agree. I agree. He wasn't um, wasn't at the races. I haven't seen a lot of him, so can't comment on a lot no. of his other performances. But uh, obviously hyped up, isn't he? But um, 
no, not for me today. No, 100%. But he's in, the, he's in that England team, right? And you kind of, if you're in the England team, you, you've got a certain standard, you'd imagine. But right. ah, he kind of fell, fell below that to what I was expecting, to be honest. Um, uh, long stuff on his toes, collects the ball, takes it down the right and, and finishes. It's a great finish, to be fair. There's still a lot to do. Um, right. Puts it was right into the corner. Um, now, Sean Longstaff, mate, if he's adding goals, that's going to take him to that next level. People are dead keen to bring him down and say he's just this, he's just that. But the job that Sean Long- Longstaff does in that team is phenomenal. And if he's going to get eight to ten goals a season, like that's he's now stepping up to the next level of, of midfielder. Well, that's it. Like I need he, to me, he'd be absolutely perfect in that England uh, England team. You know the, the Phillips role, maybe. Um, perfect foil for Declan Rice, really, and, and gives Bellingham the chance to play sort of further up the pitch as well, doesn't it? So, um, I just think ah, he's just having a great season, isn't he? And, and he's getting better and better, going from strength to strength. No, definitely, mate, definitely. Great to see, great to see. Um, so half time, fourth goal, we favour of the game, mate. So it's like what four touches. Pope plays the ball out of Trippier, Trippier one touch down to Murphy. Murphy first time into Wilson, who kills it dead and then slots it home. Like that's that's the the type of goal that I love to see, mate. Absolutely clinical, deadly on the counter attack. Palace all over the shop, weren't they? At this Definitely. point, do you not think as well though that's sort of becoming our identity? That type of goal. It's like it, it's it's we're on the break, but it's it's so quick, isn't it? It's just rapid. Um, four touches between Pope and, and the goal. And two of them were Wilson one, one getting the ball under control. I mean, for me, that ball from from Murphy from the right, you know, I I, I appreciate that the, the the pace of of the break wasn't as quick as the, the goal against Spurs, um, Isaac's goal against Spurs, and I appreciate obviously he's on his stronger foot on the right hand side, um, and there's a lot more space in front of him as well for Wilson to run into. But for me, that's every bit as good as Willock's pass against uh, against Spurs for Isaac it was just. Superb technique. Um, puts it on a plate for him, doesn't he? It was brilliant. Definitely, mate. It's a good comparison. It, it's the same ball, really, isn't it? Just um, So, obviously, Willix is for the outside of his, his right foot, but it, it's it's having the um, the decision-making in order to, to, to make that call, right? So, he could have easily just carried on running with that ball. But fair play to him, mate. He's obviously come on in in his own confidence to be able to play that ball through to, to, to Wilson. Um Who's, who's banging form right? So that's his fifth goal of the season. I think he's three behind Beardsley now. So he's he's right in history, Wilson, which is which is great to see, isn't he? Um, without doubt, he'll be the Newcastle's second highest scorer in history um, this season. This will definitely happen. Okay. Uh, what what a signing he's been, mate. Love to see it. Um, when you when you think what twenty million? Snip, absolute snip, and, and given. You know, he's missed big chunks as well, you know. He's got these kind of injury problems and, um, you know, you can't really rely on him 100%. And we, and we don't need him now. That's the thing, isn't it? We've got Isak and we're going to share the, share the load. Um, dread the day when they're both injured, though. Kind of, I don't know what <laughs> what happens then. But, but yeah, yeah, that's just... I think Let's not think. You know, I'm not naive enough to think that Wilson hasn't got injury problems and stuff. But if you if you look at his record, like you know, when he was at Bournemouth, he, the, the last three seasons he was at Bournemouth, he played over 30 games in each season, Premier League games. Um, and I think the last season before we signed him, I think he played in all 38. I think it was a couple of sub appearances, but he played and he featured in all 38 games. You know, um, and unless I'm I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. 
I don't know how much of it is Callum Wilson has a bad injury record and how much of it's to do with some of the coaching um, and the methods and things like that. Uh, that's meant that he, he, you know, he's breaking down a lot. And I, I, I hate to mention him, but our good friend Steve Bruce, uh, you know, under him, he, he didn't. He obviously had a lot more injury um, issues than he has under how. How he's managing his injuries really well. How many times do we see him like uh, separate training and things like that? You know, he's got his own training regime and, and what have you. Um, he's being managed properly, and he's and he's reaping the rewards, and he hasn't missed that many games in the last couple of seasons, really. When you look at his record, so. I do sort of think it's a little, a little bit of a myth potentially mm. this injury record, but um, you know he's obviously a fit lad. He looks after himself, doesn't he? And, um, but yeah, I, I think maybe that's a little bit of a myth. Well, that's the thing, mate. It's in your great um, shout point out this Steve Bruce's regime and training methods, right? Because non-existent. Um, so, so, like, is professional athletes kind of the more training you get there? <laughs> The more nimble and flexible you are, right? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to see him, and I'm I'm loving him. I think he's 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 doing a fantastic role for the team, and whether it's him off the bench or him starting and, and Isak off the bench or Isak starting, it's it's a good foil. I think they're a good foil for each other. Um, uh, well, I, I know all about being nimble and flexible, don't I? So you do, mate. You do the cut. Yeah, you, you know. You, you, I, when was the last time you played? You haven't played for a while. Play every Friday, mate. Every Friday. Every Friday. So, yeah. You usually you normally text us telling us about your man of the match performance. So am I just uh, right in assuming you haven't been man of the match recently? I haven't no, I haven't been no. Funny <laughs> 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 you know, when I was younger, right, I played for a team, um, and there was a, a kid in goal, Sean, who was always getting a game ahead of me, um, and just he obviously knew someone who plays on a Friday already, and we needed a spare, so he came along, and I had to play out, and it was like back in the bar old days when I used to get dropped for him all the time, so. It was a bit of a kick in the bollocks, but playing out was uh, was rough. Like it was rough. That's something I haven't done for a long time, and I'm, I'm probably not going to do again for another long time. <laughs> so it sounds a bit like uh, Darren Montgomery from from this parish. He was an excellent midfielder in his day, but um, he's scared now, mate. It's just players and goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a quick word on Palace, mate. Obviously, missing two of the biggest players, right? So obviously, we're we're seeing they were poor. And do you know what? Newcastle were good as well. You hear this kind of, oh, we're won 4 0, but but Palace were poor. And I'm not really a big fan of that. You know, Newcastle were excellent. Um, but I, Palace were missing Elise, Eze, obviously the, the Zaha left in the summer. Um, Roy Hodgson teams kind of notoriously good at being defensive, um, but just not, not on Saturday. Uh, like I said, I, mean, I wouldn't buy any of their centre backs based on that. Mid-table team. Um, do you think? Just a question, mate. Do you think the Prem's looking a bit lopsided? Like in terms of, do you see these kind of two leagues within a league drifting now? Like we're, we're here so much of the the Premier League being such a high quality league, right? I, I kind of think maybe he's one to ten's high quality in, in ten or twenties. Sorry, eleven or twenties, fallen a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think um, it's a it's a shame, and it's always been. The, I think it's been the case for a while. It's been coming to this, hasn't it? And like obviously being in that bottom 10, it's been quite hard to take and it's obviously much nicer to be in that top 10, isn't it? Um, and being in a conversation for like the top sides makes it a little bit easier to see, you know, to, to accept what's happening in football. But essentially, like, it, it's that's the way it's going, isn't it? And I think um, there is, I mean, the, the three teams that have come up, all three of them are going to go straight back down on and I think that sort of sums up perfectly how 
um, how this league is. I don't think that's always going to be the case. I think going forward, there is some teams in the you know Leicester, Southampton, Leeds who've got a chance of staying up and, and finishing sort of in that eleven to fifteen sort of group. Uh, but I think yeah, that sort of demonstrates how how lopsided the league is, doesn't it? I think the only thing I will say is though that there's there's more clubs joining that that top ten, isn't that? Well, to become a top ten rather than like a, a top six or seven, hasn't it? You've yeah. Brighton, Brighton and Aston Villa, you've got us as well. Um, who are who are sort of in various different ways um, getting themselves up there, whether it's through really good coaching, um, in terms of the likes of like us and Aston Villa, or whether it's through like the the, the way that they buy players and the, the the sort of transfer policy and things like in Brighton's terms, it's all different ways of doing yeah. it. But I think it's getting a little bit more even in that sort of fourth to seventh, eighth. But I think um, below that's really starting to sort of peel away, isn't it? Ah, it's starting to drift, man. It's starting to drift. I used to, you know, everyone loves a bit of an underdog, don't they? But um, it's, 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 you know, Sheffield United sitting down there on one point. It's, um, it's looking pretty precarious for them, and it's not, it's not enjoyable, is it, for the fans? You kind of lose the enjoyment there. I'd rather be in a championship winning. Um, I don't know, like you said, but like there's some clear case studies, isn't there? How it, how a team should have maybe approach it. So I think back to Nottingham Forest, they spent an absolute fortune when they came up, oh, but it worked. It worked, and, and you know they they escaped, and um, they've built on this built on it this season. You know the centre forward looks like a real handful. He, he looks like a real good player. Him. Um, so I'm just so when you look at the championship table, they've got like Ipswich are second at the minutes out uh-huh. of nowhere, right? They're like five points ahead of third. If you if you Ipswich and you get promoted, right? And God, we've got lots of the season to go here. But if they come up, is your approach that of Luton and Sheffield United, um, or so you have to just go full tilt and say, "Look, okay, we'll try and have a shot at this." I don't know. It's difficult. Like, I think it depends on who you are, doesn't it? Like Preston are up there as well, um, and obviously Preston and Ipswich haven't got the money that uh, that like Forest have, or even Luton. To be honest, Luton have, I think, um, got a fair bit of money, haven't they? Well, they must have some if they're building a new ground and stuff like that. But um, it's one of those where I think with Ipswich, it's like. Or the better to just go up, have a season in the Premier League, take the money, not really improve our side massively, but give themselves a chance of staying up. But, you know, like West Brom used to do, where they'd come up, they'd try their best to stay up, they'd give themselves a really good chance of staying up. Um, and if they went down, you know, they weren't in trouble when they went back down and they had a really good chance of coming back up again. And they used to yo-yo between the two leagues, didn't they? I think I see an Ipswich doing something like that rather than coming up and trying to spend loads. And If an Ipswich came up and spent millions and millions, and didn't stay up, which is probably likely, then they're going to go back down and they're going to be in huge um, mm-hmm. shit, aren't they, really? So I think, uh, I think obviously it depends who you are, doesn't it? You've got Leicester who are, Leicester top now, are they? Top, they've lost one game so far, so they're like, smashing it like. So, you know, they're obviously in a good position, they've got a good squad of players, Vardy's probably going to have to move on if they get back up again, and he goes, um, I just think it depends who it is, but if Ipswich come up, I think they'll, they'll, they'll be Wise to maybe not spend too much money. Yeah, definitely, mate. It's, it's just different, uh, def- different methods, isn't it? So, I think it's it's vitally important. Uh, teams come up and, and and develop, isn't it? It's kind of developing and enjoying it. Although, like I say, the, the enjoyment kind of goes right so if you're getting beat every week and you've got one point after after three months. Um, but, anyways, we'll see how it goes, mate. Just just to touch back on the um, on the Palace game, mate. Just a, a few more points. 
the ovation Tonali got. Um, great to see, yeah. I really good to see. I, I think you know I've I've seen some criticism, not very much to be honest, like, but I've seen some criticism on Twitter about why is he getting the heroes welcome, why is he getting the stand ovation and stuff. He's broken the rules and stuff, and I, and I accept that. Um, however, I think you know maybe the context isn't there for some people. We do that lap of honor every game, win, lose or draw, and I think. Maybe people don't know that and they think that that whole thing was organised purely for Tenali, which wasn't the case. It was very organic the way it happened, though, wasn't it? It was, you know, the players were walking around the pitch and, and we've stepped away. Well, the, the squad stepped away and given Tenali a bit of a bit of space where he can. And it's not about it's not about giving him a hero's welcome. It's about supporting someone who's going through yeah. quite a tough period, you know. And it, it, it you know it's reported that he's got a, a gambling addiction and. And I, I choose to take that as face value, you know. And it may be easy for people to say and it, it, it's been mentioned. It's easy for people to say that once they've been caught doing something they shouldn't. But I, I'd rather believe ten lies than than doubt somebody who's telling the truth. As far as I'm concerned, it's if if he does need help, then you give him that help. If he doesn't, well, that's up to him, isn't it? But he's, I think you still give him that that support. And I think, um, I think it was really nice. It was really touching. And I think he sort of felt it as well. Um, he seemed quite emotional, didn't he? So I thought it was really nice. I thought it was a nice touch, lovely for the fans to support someone who was going through that. And um, I, I just thought it was a really nice thing. I, I think, you know, why wouldn't you support someone who's going through that? 100%, man. He's, he's one of our own, isn't he? He's like, I just I just want to touch on the club, mate. I kind of feel like they've, they've um, dealt with this perfectly, right? It's kind of the old Newcastle would have, would have dived right in you know, got all the PR wrong and, you know, said things they shouldn't have said and all this sort of carry on. Mate. Probably banned the player. God knows, right? With, with that, that iteration of Newcastle, I don't want to think about it anymore, to be honest. But but this one, we waited until all the facts were in, then then made a statement. Then Eddie Howe, you know, as Eddie Howe would, because he's the, the type of guy that he is, wrapping his arms around Tenali, saying it's all about the person where he had to support him. Like, absolutely perfect, mate, how it was dealt with. Like, it's... And it's not about... Dealing with it, it's kind of like how how it's going to progress as well. So like, you know, once he's get once he gets his ban, it's like how do we support him now? What what can what can we do to help his family? You know, what's the what's the future look like for the next eight, nine, ten, perhaps twelve months? You know, exactly. I I mean, first of all, just to take your yeah, first point about Eddie Howe, I think he's dealt with it magnanimously. Really, um, he's been outstanding. His support for Tenali. He's obviously thanked the fans for their support as well. But, I mean, that, that's never in doubt, really, is that the fans were going to do that anyway. Um, and I think House dealt with it so well. I think he's he's been really impressive. I think he's, he's done that throughout the whole tenure at, at Newcastle, really, hasn't he? The way that he's dealt with things. I know there's some people um, sort of question his, his, his answers that he's given about, about specific parts of the club. But, like, he's just dealt with it so well. Um, he's really sort of given thrown his arms around Tenali, really. Wouldn't expect anything different from him. Um, the whole the whole way the club's dealt with it's been exceptional. Um, at the end of the day, he's done something he shouldn't have done. He's broken the rules, and he, he to that extent he deserves to be punished for it. But at the same time, you know, addiction's an awful thing, and I think if we can support him through it, um, then that's going to go a long way towards towards helping him in his recovery. Um, I do sort of think. I don't know the exact details of the ban and stuff yet. I think we're going to find out today or tomorrow, won't we? Um, but going off what Tony's ban was like, I don't think he was allowed to... Well, he wasn't allowed to train initially uh, for the first half of his ban uh, with the club. And he wasn't allowed to um, 
have contact with the manager and the club and the, the staff and the, the players and stuff. I don't know how they would manage that like, but you know, for me, if you've done something wrong, he deserves to be punished. But the human side of things, I just can't help thinking that, that castrating somebody socially, stripping them of their livelihood and, and income and also not being allowed that support from the club as well. Um, like, what does that do to someone who has addiction? Um, Backwards, isn't it? It just, yeah. seems so, uh, it just seems so, like, cruel and unkind and uncompassionate and um, sort of almost goes against what the ban's about. You know, to say to someone, you've broken the rules and therefore you're going to be punished, well, that's one thing. But then where's the support? I haven't heard anything from the PFA, although they do normally tend to keep quite quiet, don't they? But where's the support for Tenali for if he's going to be on his own for this time? I mean, people who are in that position are, are vulnerable to lots of things, aren't they, in all walks of life? You know, I can't imagine that helping his cause at all. There should be a lot more support Definitely for Tony and, and for anyone else who's in this position. Like, like what's, what's that likely going to... If you're in that scenario, right, I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate a bit here, but you've got no support, you're alone, vulnerable, you kind of... You're going to do it again, aren't you? You're going to look for like 100%. common themes. Just I'm speculating here, but but I just wanted to kind of extenuate what you were saying, mate. Like the support's got to be there, like a hundred percent. I heard this. Um, I don't want to do it in injustice because it was a great, great kind of speech. Let's call it from Paul Merson on Jella Tucker Saturday. Did you see it? It was. Um, I, I don't want to do it in injustice. So if, if people go and check it out, like it was a fantastic, um, fantastic point of view that he put across. Basically, this is me kind of paraphrasing. He's saying, with it being an addiction, you know, it's, he he rates it as a, a more um, self sabotaging addiction than than drugs and alcohol. And he said all three, hasn't he? He's kind of saying, you know, the other two people, you know, are all kids. Kind of, you know, let's go, let's take it a rehab, let's do this, let's do that. You know, we'll get through it. But he says, you know, when it comes to gambling, it's it's kind of frowned upon and. You know, you, it's, it's evil, isn't it? You've done something wrong, and it's almost, it's almost the the cause is 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 already um, the the cause is is worse than the outcome. So it's like people are already looking at the gambling is 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 the the negative, you know. Um, but he's saying, you know, until until people like this, like Tony, like Tenali, get the support they need uh, emotionally, then then this sort of thing keeps happening. It's like a Banning someone for, for that amount of time and, and not having contact like you say, mate, not a go by ground. It's kind of inhumane. It's um doesn't make sense whatsoever. No, I agree. I mean I, I did there was one thing I just like to add on this situation. Like there's a um I believe like the charity or a campaign or something, I can't remember what they are, uh, called the Big Step. Um and they had uh, posted a picture saying <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Like a footballer with a gambling addiction doing a lap of honour, and he picked they picked up on the fact that like when he was doing this lap of honour, all the billboards in the background and stuff like that were were funny eighty eight and and other gambling yeah. uh, sites and stuff, and it was sort of like you know the irony in this, um, and it's it's got a little bit of backlash from some fans who are sort of taking it as an attack on the club or the fans, but for me that's just a, a, a really sort of poignant way to point out, um, the the toxic relationship that football's got with gambling really. You know, he's, he's, they're absolutely right what they're saying. It's nothing to do with the fans. The fans are being great and supporting them. The club's being great and supporting them. It's not to do with them. It's it's the fact that football's got this this sort of toxic relationship with betting. And there he is with a gambling addiction being supported. It's just such an irony there, isn't there? And it's it's something needs to be done about it. Um, 
we need to stop changing the way that people see gambling. It's it's gambling's horrendous. Um, I I'll have a bet as well. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a hypocrite in that respect, but um, and I have in the past got myself into trouble where I think you know addiction is not far away. Um, it's an absolutely awful thing once it gets hold of you. And I can imagine, I could, well, I can only imagine what it's like for for someone who has an addiction to to keep doing that and where they where they must be mentally. Yeah, mate. So I think um, I think I think the tone here is let's uh, let's hope he continues to get the support from the club because um, because it's needed, right? Lovely, lovely to see in Trippier, kind of you know as captain taking him on the pitch and, and seeing him down the tunnel and stuff. Uh, oh, wouldn't I... wouldn't expect anything anything less of Trippier. Yeah. Uh, Right, mate. Let's move on. Uh, the man of the match, I guess, one man. Right, I've, I've got I've got four names down here, but I'm, I'm assuming maybe he's Murphy, might be, but he, he definitely got man of the match. But just wanted to give a, a bit of a shout out to Trippier, Shaw, and Bruno, who I thought were excellent as well. Bruno probably less I saw, but it was kind of in the background, just pulling strings again. He's he's back to his best, isn't he? And, and just looks imperious on the ball. Ah, uh, just majestic on it. Absolutely brilliant, but his best, really. Yeah, one hundred percent, mate. So let's say uh, for me, it's a toss up between Murphy and Shaw. Like Murphy's got the two assists and a goal, so he kind of gets it by default, right? But Shaw's pinging balls around left, right, and centre, like like the three million pound defender that he is, unbelievable. Well, I, I think um, I agree, and it's difficult to take it off Murphy, isn't it? But at the same time, I think there's there's also a shout for Gordon. He was outstanding from start to finish. I think a lot of the time he dictates how we play. You know, he sort of personifies what the club's about and how we play. He's, he's so high intensity, isn't he? And, and he never gives the defender as a second, never gives the attack as a second, really, to be honest, because he's always back in, isn't he? And um, I think he was excellent as well. I think, yeah, you have to give it to Murphy, though, don't you? Yeah, mate. Let's, let's, there we go. It's been given to Murphy. That's, that's from both <laughs> of us. <laughs> well done, Mr. Murphy. Um, Go and get your pin. Go and get your Murphy pin now. <laughs> have a free one if you uh, if you get in touch. <laughs> Murphy, get in touch with us. Now we'll give you all of the Corinthian pins, and you can wear them uh, and, and give it free publicity. That would be fantastic, right, mate? Let's move on to Dortmund on Wednesday. A uh, fantastic game. Cannot wait for that one. Um, they won one 0 at the weekend on Friday against Werder uh, Bremen. Um, Interesting. Like I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on, on Bundesliga football or, or Dortmund for that matter. Have been kind of across various Dortmund teams in the past, but but this one doesn't doesn't have the superstars in there. There's some some old some old guard in there. We've got Matt Hummels 34, Emre Chan 29, Margot Royce 34, and and they're supported by some 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 talented youngsters, no doubt. Um, but I'm not I'm not up to date a kind of how good they are. Um, what I'm interested in, though, mate, when you look at how they set up, right? I was just kind of doing some research of, of what formations they they likely use or what, what they've used in the in the past three games. So this is interesting, mate, right? So they, they played four two three one at Milan. Um, that was a, a home game, which was nil nil. Um, only the three shots on target that game, uh, two for Milan. They set up four three three against Werder Bremen at the weekend, five shots on target, and then. They set up a three-five-two against PSG. Uh, the away game when PSG won two 0 so they're, they're flexible, right? They, they seem to be able to kind of, although not successfully, apart from the Werder Bremen game, they're, they're not scared. They're not scared to change formation to suit the team, right? Is what is what I'm getting at. 
in order for Dorman to get something from Newcastle, because we know how Newcastle's going to set up. It'll be exactly the same. Maybe he's, um, Joe Lindell will start. I think he, he, he starts against Dortmund, uh, Bruno and, and Longstaff. A big, big shout between Murphy and whether Murphy keeps his place or Almiron comes back in. Um, not too sure now. Obviously, Botman's out, so the, the cell's likely to, to, to deputise and keep his place. Um, how how do you see Dortmund setting up for this? What's their approach? Um, knowing that they've seen, obviously, the PSG game in, in our form currently. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I, I think the most important thing is they're, they're bottom of the group on one point and, and it's not, you know, it's not out of, um, it's not out of like, they're not out of it yet, other. it's only three points behind us. Um, but they do need to start winning games, don't they? Um, so, they're going to have to try something, aren't they? Um, and whether that works for us and it means that there's plenty of space for us to get behind them or what, I don't know, but, yeah, you know, like you say, we're going to do exactly what we've all, what we do already. We already know what we're doing. Um, I don't like I say, I'm the same as you. I don't know a massive amount about Dortmund. I don't watch them a huge amount. Um, it just I don't know. They need to win a game, don't they? I don't know whether they'll set up to to sort of maybe try and try and stop us from scoring. Losing my voice, yeah. Sorry, coughing. Um, I don't know whether uh, they'll set up to try and stop us winning. Um, and then take us back to their place in a couple of weeks and. And try and win that game. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but you know, put anyone against us at the minute, and I fancy us to to have a chance of winning. Really, that's that's kind of the, the point I was hoping you to, to arrive at. Like, it's I don't think it necessarily matters how teams set up. Um, the way that Newcastle are setting up at the minute, it's kind of we seem to be back our best, right? Where it's kind of high intensity, um, quick, um, quick counters, you know, quick turnovers, winning the ball, winning the ball high up, um. What's interesting though is kind of the, the phases of play. So, you know, I I don't necessarily expect Newcastle to come out all guns blazing. Um, I don't think that they, they didn't really do that against PSG. PSG, to be honest, maybe it's, you know first five ten minutes feel out Dortmund, see how they are approaching the game. Would expect Dortmund to, to to seize control of the ball early, maybe first ten, get some possession under under the belt. And then it just takes that one tackle, mate. That one tackle to, to get the crowd up for it. So the crowd's going to be up for it. Anyways, and obviously War Flags have been in there doing a 12-hour shift already, I see, on, on Twitter, yeah, um, which everyone's thankful for. Um, Scan your QR. Yeah, it, <laughs> um, I, so I, yeah, I don't know if we'll, we'll start like a house on fire, but I do expect us at some point to just to unleash that intensity, mate, which we've seen against PSG, and uh, I, for one, cannot wait to see it. Um a few, a few expectations, yeah. Like we expect Dortmund to bring a big crowd, noisy crowd. Um, be good to see, right? Lots of yellow. <laughs> Lots of yellow. Aye. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking. Do you think we'll see some kind of protests from them? Obviously, we've seen one at the weekend from Palace, right? Um, German football in, in Dortmund, notorious for being kind of socialist, kind of left wing views and things. Are we going to see anything like that? What do you, what do you think? I don't know. Um, yeah, I suppose Dortmund, Dortmund fans have got a history of that sort of thing, haven't they? So why not? I don't know. be interesting to see, though. Yeah. No, 100%, mate. 100%. Anyways, um, are you... Uh, what's, yeah, it's kind of early to give predictions. Isn't it? I, I think I think we'll be one goal in it. I th- I'm going to go for 2-1 in this game. What do you think? 
I think I'm I'm maybe two one as well, um, or two nil. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm kind of it looks as though from what's um, how he's saying, like Isak's missed a lot of training, right? Like I I don't know if he's if he's going to be going with Isak or, or Wilson to start this one. I'm, I'm not too sure. It's up in the air, isn't it? It is. I think Wilson's probably more primed and ready to to go, isn't he? But I'll just see. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, we're not going to put out a bad team, whatever we do, are we really? No. This is it's exciting, right? Everyone's buzzing for it again. Um, a win here sets us sets us up really well, doesn't it? Like seven points from three, you would kind of expect us to, to qualify from that position. Um, yeah, I mean, not great. Looking at the Champions League group stages and stuff, and seeing how many points takes you through normally, but you'd think you'd think seven to ten points is going to be putting you in with a shout, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um. Just before we wrap up, mate, I just wanted to get your kind of opinion on how, how we've been faring with a return, kind of our return to the Premier League action, post-Champions League, right? It's been it's been great so far. Um, obviously, on Saturday evening, we've got Wolves, who are, are doing well. I think the last three games, um, they obviously beat Man City, drew with Villa, uh, both at home, and then they've just beat Bournemouth away 2-1, so they've you know, got confidence. Confidence is high, but I think I asked you last time, mate. Are you expecting us to go there and get the win? Um, do you think we've got enough to do that? And, and, and we've shown, right, that we're, we're capable of doing that so far. I, I think so. I mean, obviously, we followed the um, PSG game up with a eight 0 win at Sheffield United, didn't we? So the omens are good. You know, it's not like we've got a Champions League hangover in that respect. And I think, um, sorry, it was AC Milan, wasn't it? After AC Milan, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, Wolves are in a little bit of form over three games. Starting to find a little bit of mini mini form, but um, ultimately we're a much better side than them, aren't we? And I think they're in a bit of turmoil behind the scenes and what have you. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's, well, it's not funny, really. It's it, it seems to all be down to financial fair play, doesn't it? And they've got the money to spend. They're just not allowed to spend it, um, which is which is, you know, <laughs> makes very little sense, doesn't it, really, when you think about it? But um, I fancy us to sort of turn up and, and win. It's going to be a difficult game. It's not going to be in the same, you know, same vein as Crystal Palace, where we sort of almost did just turn up and win. Um, and that's not that's not strictly true, is it? But, uh, but I think Wolves will be a winnable game. I'd like to see us win it. Obviously, I know I said the same about West Ham. Um, and I think if it wasn't for that sort of snapshot at the end of the game, we would have won it. So. You know, you kind of you kind of legislate for that. It was just a class finish, wasn't it? From um, what's he called? I can't even think who he's called now. Um, but you know, I, I don't see a reason why we can't lose to uh, why we can't win against Wolves. Though. No, I, I tend to agree, mate. We'll um, we'll have another another pod pre Wolves, I think, to kind of take in the, the Dortmund game and, and and preview the Wolves game a little bit. Um, but but yep. Yeah. Great to have you back, mate, today, and uh, I've enjoyed that one. Thank you very much. Very good, all right. Cheers. See you later, Stu. See you later.